Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Happy Wednesday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks. We appreciate you being with us here. Midweek show. We are two days away from the start of the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame activities. We'll be doing our show from the museum on Friday and hope to have a couple of Hall of Famers with us. We look forward to that. Uh, We always try to get a couple of guys on there. Last year we had Ron Reed, Bob Horner two years ago. And we hope to have Brian McCann and Claude Felton, maybe CPJ. Those are just a couple of the people who are going into the Hall of Fame this year. And we want to mention those names to you again, remind you about the great event coming up on Saturday at the museum. For those of you here in middle Georgia at the museum on Cherry Street in downtown Macon, you'll have the Fan Fest where you can go and get autographs of the Hall of Famers who are going in this year and also the former Hall of Famers who will be there. And I I still need to get a list. As soon as I get the list, I promise you I will share it with you of who all is planning to attend for the Fan Fest. I'll try again during the break to see if they'll, they'll send that to me. They're a little busy this week. But we've got a great class going in. Sharif Adorahim, a great high school basketball player at Wheeler High School in the Atlanta area. Went on to California for a year before turning pro to the NBA. Spent years with the Vancouver Grizzlies, then was traded to the Atlanta Hawks for several years. Eric Berry, a great player from Creekside High School, one of the best high school defensive players in Georgia's history. Went on to the University of Tennessee before joining the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, had a great story. He rebounded from cancer in the middle of his career and was uh, he was uh, he was an unbelievable player. Chris Carpenter, who was born in St. Augustine and grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, was a two-way player, and he's going in as a two-way athlete. He was a great punter at the University of Georgia and also was a great pitcher for Steve Weber back in the late 80s. He went on to a major league career with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mostly the Cardinals also pitched for the Marlins as well. Thomas Davis, who was one hitting fool now. If you were on the base on the football field taking on a team that Thomas Davis is a part of, you better have some extra padding on because he was going to lay you out, brother. I've tried to figure out and count how much money he spent on fines in the NFL. (laughs) He spent a lot. Had a great career at the University of Georgia. Went on to mainly play for the Panthers. Just a great story and a great player. Claude Felton, the longtime sports information director at the University of Georgia. Four and a half decades of being there. And before that, he was in Statesboro at Georgia Southern. He grew up in Savannah. Many of you Savannah folk will know about Claude, who is a great friend and so dishonored. CPJ is going in. Paul Johnson, Coach Paul Johnson, of course, in five years with Georgia Southern as the head coach, he had two national championships when Georgia Southern could win national championships back in the day. 
course, went on to a fine career for 11 years at Georgia Tech as well. Brian McCann, number 16, great catcher for the Atlanta Braves for many years. He is going into the Hall of Fame. He Bluth High School, and it was a second-round pick of the Braves in 2002. And uh, just turned 40, I believe, yesterday. God, he's getting old. And Wendy White, a great junior tennis player as well from the state of Georgia. She'll be going in on Saturday night. So, again, you've got the jacket ceremony, which is a private event on Friday. We'll have some of the Hall of Famers with us. And then we'll have the Fan Fest on Saturday afternoon. And, again, everybody can come to that. It's a free event. You can come get autographs, meet the Hall of Famers, shake their hands, speak to them. And all other Hall of Famers will be there as well. And then for those of you who are coming to the event at the City Auditorium on Saturday, we can't wait. We're looking forward to it. John Smoltz is going to be the MC, So we, uh, we can't wait for that. It'll be a lot of fun. You know he's going to give Brian McCann a lot of hell especially that picture that uh, you may have seen over the years where Brian McCann was a little, little boy in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium when they were his dad. Of course, his, Brian's dad, Howie McCann, is a, a tremendous person. Uh, his mom and dad both are, are great people. And uh, Howie McCann was a baseball coach at the University of Georgia back in the day, and he had Brian in there when he was like 11. And... He took a picture with some John Smoltz guy. Of course, about a decade later, he was John Smoltz catcher, which was pretty daggum good. So, anyway, uh, can't wait for this weekend. And, again, we invite all of you down on Saturday for the muse- at the museum for the Fan Fest. So, there you go. All right. Um, earlier today, I was sat in for Jeff on Jeff's show from 12 until 1 at McCall's Sandwich Shop in Warner Robins. <sighs> Man, alive that collard green soup oh my lord it was awesome anyway i brought some home it's that good i ain't kidding i brought some home the um one of the topics i had on the on the show there for jeff show was a a list that Fangraphs had for the top three players at every position and of the 11 positions the nine positions on the field starting pitching relief pitching DH, of course, as well. The Braves had a top three player in seven of the 11. Pretty good, I think. And that, I think that shows exactly kind of the dominance that the Braves have built with their with their organization and how strong they, they really are. So there's another list that's going on that I think is, is worth paying attention to. And they're going to finish the list tonight. And that is the top 100 players in the sport of baseball, in Major League Baseball. And uh, we'll, 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 I'm going to kind of go through it and see who the of the Braves players are are listed. Because you've got to think there's 26 players per team. There's 30 teams. That's 780. And no, I didn't do that on my own. I'm not Rain Man. I used a calculator. Do you know that I had? Do you know that the other day I threw a calculator? This is going to be one of those things that you're going to say, "Why in the heck do I care about that, Bill Shanks?" I had a calculator probably for since college that I had to throw away the other day. Isn't that just sad? Doesn't that break your heart? Just a little point again that you don't care about, and why I would even say that probably you know makes me need to go to therapy. But anyway. 
kind of odd. I never lost it. I just had it, and then all of a sudden something happened to it. I must have dropped it, and it didn't work anymore. I know you're amused. Anyway, 780 players in Big League Baseball. 780. So this is the top 100. And so uh, going through this list, obviously, the first brave that we find is number 83, Marcelo Zuna. Now, he was not ranked a year ago, but Marcelo Zuna hit 40 home runs and drove in 100 runs. Pretty good. And obviously quieted a lot of people who were kind of wondering if Marcel would ever get back to the level of, of, of really excellence that he had showed at times. Of course, in 2020 with the Braves, he was, he was a great player in 2020. I know it was a very, a very um, truncated season because of the Chinese virus. It was a 60-game season, but Marcelo Zuna about, about won the Triple Crown. Freddie Freeman won the won the um, MVP award that year, but Marcel was right behind him. And so Marcel, for him to come back from everything that he's been through, off the field, on the field, with a very, of course, he had a rough year in 2021 with the injury to his wrist in in Boston, and then the the arrest the uh, spousal abuse, domestic abuse arrest there a week later. You know, he's been through a lot, but for him to bounce back and hit 40 home runs to drive in 100 was pretty good. So for him to be on this list is pretty pretty cool as well. Then you go to the next person on this list for the Atlanta Braves, which is Ozzie Albies, who is ranked 66th. He was not ranked a year ago, but now he's number 66. By the way, just for kick's sake, he is one ahead of Dansby Swanson from the Chicago Cubs, who last year was ranked 39th and is now ranked 67th. That's what you get for playing for the Cubs, Dans. Um, then, uh, scooting through the list here very quickly, you have next on the list is number 50, and that is Michael Harris, the second, which is pretty cool. Michael Harris, very young player, of course, and... I mean, I think that's unbelievable. And I was even surprised that he was ranked as the number three center fielder in baseball by fan graphs. That's pretty cool, too. This is a number nine hitter who is really thriving uh, for the Atlanta Braves. And I, I think it's just going to be fun to see him continue to get better. I, I don't think that's the last time we're going to see him on the uh, on the list of the top 50, uh, 100. And I think he's going to continue to climb that list. Number 48 is Max Freed. Last year, he was number 36, so he dropped a little bit because of the injuries. He only pitched in 14 games a year ago, of course. But Max, one of the top starting pitchers in the game when he's healthy, number 48. Sean Murphy is number 47. Braves catcher, last year he was ranked number 84, and he went up substantially, obviously, with a fine year that he had, mainly in the first half. But he is right behind two other catchers, which is kind of interesting. They're all together. 47 is Sean Murphy, 46 is JT Realmuto of the Phillies. Number 45 is Will Smith, who is just a pain in the butt when you play the Dodgers. He's a very good player. Then let's go 31 to 40. The Braves do not have any players there. Then you go 21 through 30. No players there. Then we get in the teens, and the Braves are going to have some people there. At number 17, you've got Spencer Strider, who, of course, 
is uh, thriving and becoming a better pitcher by the day, especially if he's going to have that curveball. Good Lord Almighty, that's just going to be an unbelievable thing to even think about if Spencer Strider has a curveball to throw at people. Then at number 15, it's Mr. Riley. Austin Riley, the Braves' third baseman, who was number 20 last year. He moved up to number 15 this year, which is pretty cool. Number 13 is Matt Olson, Braves' first baseman. He goes from 43 a year ago to 13th. Of course, he led the big leagues in home runs and RBI, so you can't beat that. So that's the number 11 through 100 players. And who does that leave out? Well, uh, I think tonight when they introduce the top 10 players in Major League Baseball, of course, you have uh, one more for the Braves that's got to be in that mix, and that is Mr. Acuna. Will Ronald Acuna be ranked number one? I don't know. And I'm sure Tani's going to be in there. Trout was actually 11th. Let me see if that's correct. I'm pretty sure he was not in the top 10. He was, uh, no, Harper was number 11. Trout was number 12. So there you go. Uh, Trey Turner, number 16 for the Phillies. But the Braves, whatever number whatever number Ronald Acuna is going to be at is uh, I mean they're going they're going to have 9 players, 9% of the top 100 players in Major League Baseball according to the network will be Atlanta Braves. Again, I I I'm just kind of amazed of where they are and what they've been at. You know, they rebuilt this team back in 2015 and 16 and 17. They had three very lousy years. They had to go down before they could come back up. And, of course, in the middle of that, we had a scandal with this team. It cost the architect of the rebuild, John Coplella, it cost him his career, basically. And, thankfully, uh, Alex Anthopoulos was brought in, and there couldn't have been a better choice, and it was a tremendous hire, and he has done nothing but one. He has won six straight division titles as the general manager of this team. Of course, Brian Snicker, the manager the whole way through, and this partnership with the two of them has been amazing, just as great as the partnership between Bobby Cox and and John Sherholtz back uh, in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And so it's um, it's been amazing. And, and to even think that after all that, when they did rebuild and they came back and won a World Series in 2021, which some people think, well, that was kind of a fluky thing. I don't care. Do you care that it was a fluky thing? Well, I don't care either. And the bottom line is the Braves won the World Series because they were the best team in the month of October, which is what you've got to be every year. They still have such an unbelievable future for the rest of this decade, and we're pushing and being about halfway through this decade, by the way, which is kind of scary. But it's unbelievable what the Braves will be able to do moving forward here for the rest of this decade. And I think, again, here's a representation of what they have. Um, for them to have two starting pitchers in in the top 48 in Major League Baseball is incredible. For them to have their first baseman, their second baseman, their third baseman, their center fielder, and their right fielder in the top 100 is pretty amazing. Um, it, it's it's just it's it's so fun to 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 watch this team now, and I, 
you know, I almost feel like I'm trying to sell tickets. I don't think anybody needs to help them sell tickets right now. I'm just happy, I guess. You know, bottom line is I'm happy. I'm happy that the rebuild worked. I'm happy that the Braves have been successful for six straight division titles. I'm thrilled and, and thankful that they won a World Series in 2021, which gave us an unbelievable amount of excitement and enjoyment while we watched that team unfold and, and do what they did in October. And the knowledge that they're they're not going away anytime soon. I mean, most of these players, uh, with the exception of uh, Marcelo Zuna, are tied up for the and Max Fried, of course, are tied up for the long term. Uh, and to to a, you know three to three to three more years or more three to plus years, Acuna is Olson, Riley, Strider, Murphy, Harris, Ozzy. Only Azuna and and Freed of those nine are not locked up for the for the long term. And of course, we pray every day that Max Freed will be locked up with a new contract, not locked up like in the jail been locked up for a new contract here very, very soon. Because he's an important piece of this puzzle. There's no question about it. But to have nine players in the top 100, I mean, that's just, to me, it's cool. If you're not a Brace fan, you don't care, right, Ken from Cumming? By the way, I don't think I like Ken from Cumming's tone with me. He said after I was talking about uh, uh, my calculator that got lost, you're right, don't care. Man, a lot of, that's some harsh words from a Dodger fan. But anyway, not good. Not good. Um, but it's cool. It's cool. And we'll see where, where Acuna is. I mean, obviously, Otani's going to be up there, right? Mookie Betts is going to be up there. No question about that. Freddie Freeman's going to be up there. And and I, I think that's a, that's a given. Uh, Aaron Judge is going to be up there. Juan Soto's going to be up there. I mean, those are just a couple of names we're going to see in the top ten. And... Um, it's going to be fun to see how, how it all shakes out where Acuna is. How the hell do you not put Acuna one, though? you got to think Acuna or Otani are one or two, right? I mean, my gosh. I mean, I, and I, I respect the fact that Otani may be looked at as number one because the sucker can pitch, which is crazy to me still. But Acuna just did things last year that you don't think can be done. And um, I think he could do it again, to be honest with you. So we'll see. We'll, we'll let you know tomorrow what the deal is with the top – 100 and what is number one through 10 and who are number one through 10 i should say and and uh how many braves are on that list altogether officially we'll take a break come back we got a little football news to tell you about some free agent talk when the nfl which of course the falcons are going to be very interested in as well we appreciate you being with us here on this wednesday afternoon don't forget now the georgia sports hall of fame the ceremony coming up on saturday night but before that we're going to have the fan fest at the georgia sports hall of fame museum in downtown macon on cherry street starting at one o'clock and we'll have coverage from there on friday as well i'm bill shanks thanks for listening to the bill shanks show what's the matter with the clothes i'm wearing can't you tell that your tie's too wide Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? You can't dress trashy till you spend a lot of money. Everybody's talking about the new sound. Funny, but it's still rock and roll to me. The first number one song for the great Billy Joel was from 1980. 
Spent two weeks at number one. It's still rock and roll to me. Wow, I, I would have thought that uh, one of the other ones from the 70s, the late 70s, would have been their first, this first number one. But nonetheless, we'll hear some great Billy Joel songs today as he is our featured artist of the week. And I like Billy Joel. He's great. All right. A couple of football things uh, to share with you. Number one. It was uh, just learned about an hour ago that Eli Gold, the 35-year voice of Alabama football, is not going to return in 2024. Now, the Tuscaloosa News has learned this piece of information. They reached out to Eli Gold, and he did not uh, respond to the story uh, from what they said, what they wrote. Eli Gold had had some health issues, of course, and had uh, gotten back to Alabama football last year. But it looks like uh, he's either decided he's either decided to step away and retire, or, of course, uh, hopefully there's not another issue when it comes to uh, his health, and he's just ready to step back and and enjoy his life a little bit. We hope so. But uh, he's been a longtime voice of Alabama football, so the the Crimson Tide will not only have a new head coach. But they'll also have a new voice, and uh, it's expected that Chris Stewart will be that new voice. He has been uh, filling in for Eli Gold when he's been out, and he is, I think, already the uh, basketball announcer for Alabama. So uh, the expectation is that Chris Stewart would be the replacement for Eli Gold when that is all official. So we'll keep an eye on that. ESPN did a story on the best fits for college football. I mentioned this uh, with Kirk Cousins, of course, being the third player on their list and the best fit for him being the Atlanta Falcons. I think I mentioned this yesterday a little bit. Chris Jones, the number one player on this list, and and they think he's going to stay with Kansas City. He's been such a staple of the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line and partly – I think the belief in that he's going to return to Kansas City is you just can't imagine Kansas City allowing someone like this to leave. He is such a force on that defensive line, and he, he's he been a big reason why the Chiefs have been so successful the last five years. Of course, the Chiefs obviously have a great quarterback who has taken their team to a new level, but uh, how can you let Chris Jones walk away? they got to be tight on cap space because of their situation with their quarterback making so much money that he bought part of the Kansas City Royals baseball team. But still, um, Chris Jones is an outstanding talent. Josh Allen was the number two player on this list. And, of course, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about whether the Jaguars are going to bring Josh Allen back. They could put a franchise tag on him, and we're going to be finding out the the franchise players here in the next couple of weeks and and which players will be designated as franchise players and, and have the franchise tag attached to their salary. But, uh, again, it's just hard to imagine the Jaguars or any other team allowing a player like this to, to leave. Josh Allen has been a very good player at, uh, outside linebacker, and he is a big part of their defense. So I'd be really surprised if they let him go. Um, some of the other players in the top ten of this list, uh, you've got Christian Wilkins from the Patriots, the defensive tackle. Brian Burns, the defensive end from the Panthers. T. Wiggins, the wide receiver for the Bengals. Daniel Hunter, the 
the edge rusher from the Vikings. Um, and I, I wanted to see some other Falcons possibilities here. And, and of course, they do believe that that Baker Mayfield is going to uh, go back to Tampa Bay. We've mentioned him several times as far as a possibility for the Atlanta Falcons. But I think most people does believe, most people do believe rather that um, Baker's going to go back to Tampa Bay. It'd be a shock, really, if if he didn't. Now, here's a player that Atlanta has been linked with, and that is Chase Young, the defensive end, uh, first for Washington and then, of course, for San Francisco this past year. And they've got him signing with Baltimore. I know I saw another list of, of free agents where Chase Young was someone the Falcons were going to going to pursue. So that was interesting. And, uh, you know, the edge rusher is something that you think the Falcons are going to have to address, whether it is through free agency with a player like Chase Young, who's not really lived up to his total potential. I mean, he's not a bad player by any means. He had seven and a half sacks last year, but he's just not been the, the force that everybody thought he was going to be coming out of Ohio State. So that's one to watch with the with the Falcons. Bryce Huff, another player who could be a possibility. They've got him going actually to the Giants. Um, Tyron Smith is a kid that has missed some time with the Cowboys. They've got him going to Kansas City. Let me see. They've got Calvin Ridley staying with Jacksonville, which, of course, could impact the Falcons a great deal. If they do re-sign Calvin Ridley, the Falcons would get the Jaguars' second-round pick. If they do not, then he would the, the Jaguars would surrender a third-round pick to Atlanta. So there's a lot of conversation of whether or not the, the Jaguars would hold off on signing Ridley until afterwards, um, which I think would be kind of bullcrap. Uh, Saquon Barkley, big-time running back, of course, from the Giants. They have him going to the Texans. How good would the Texans' offense be under Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator there? If they put Saquon Barkley with C.J. Stroud, Barkley's still a very uh, an unbelievable player, obviously, and and to uh, have him there with C.J. would be would be really something. Jonah Williams, the uh, Patriots' offensive tackle, they have him resigning with the Patriots, which that's kind of interesting. And uh, I thought there was another Falcon player here at some point. They do have they do have Derrick Henry of the Titans, and of course he's from Uly, Florida, right down below the. Georgia Florida line they've got Derrick Henry going to to the Ravens and man you think about him with Lamar Jackson good lord that would be something wouldn't it uh, that would be kind of scary to be honest with you uh, I'm looking for the next Falcon oh here it is Devin White the uh, former Tampa Bay player who um, is a good linebacker he's a very good player very good young player he went to LSU didn't he I believe he did but they've got him going to Atlanta and, um, yep, went to LSU, first-round pick in 2019, fifth overall first-rounder, and uh, Tampa Bay got him. Six foot, 237 pounds, and they believe that his style of play uh, could be something that Raheem Morris could be interested in. Last year he had two and a half sacks and two interceptions, so uh, Devin White's a player that the ESPN crew has attached to the Atlanta Falcons, and that's kind of an interesting interesting fit right there. I don't think there's any doubt. I know Killer Ken called up in a rage yesterday talking about the Falcons' defense. We can't forget about the defense with all the talk being on the on the quarterback. 
and I think that's right. However, man, I I, I just I I think I think uh, the quarterback's the priority. You got to find a quarterback. You're not you're not going to go Desmond Ritter. There's just no way. And I I, I think that you know um, the defense does need help. They they had some injuries last year. Of course, Grady Jarrett. There's no question that was a big problem. And then um, uh, Anderson, the the kid from Montana. He got hurt. That was a problem for the linebacking core. But they need more help. Uh, at number 47, they have Josh Uche, who is an edge rusher. In four seasons with the Patriots, he's had 18 and a half sacks. And uh, he had 11 and a half two years ago. So, uh, according to ESPN, they think that the Falcons could be uh, a, a, a team that would target Josh Uche, and that would be um, something. Again, the red rusher is – you, you got to feel like that whether it's going after Dallas Turner with the eighth pick overall in the draft, which, I mean, I think by all accounts Dallas Turner could be there at number eight, um, or something like this, you got to have an edge rusher join the team. Um, you know, I said yesterday when we were talking with Chris Hefner at Yorpie about, you know, hey, uh, kind of have a little bit of, of, um, of, of, I guess, bad – karma because of Vic Beasley, but um, they need an edge rusher. They need someone that can come off the ball. They need someone that can kind of be that force on the edge. If Grady Jarrett's back for the Falcons next year, David Onyemata and and Grady Jarrett are are going to form again, uh, like they did earlier last year, a very good duo there in the middle. How much more effective would they be if you had someone coming off the edge? I mean, I, that's a silly question, right? I mean, they, you, they just haven't had that kind of presence uh, really since John Abraham was there, if you want to know the truth. I mean, they tried to have people like Tack McKinley. And remember when they brought in, this is a DQ thing, Brooks Reed. They were going to make Brooks Reed, who was a Buffalo free agent who came here. They're going to make him an outside force. Uh, you know, he was kind of an inside linebacker. In, in Buffalo, and they were going to make him an outside guy. That just didn't work out. That was stupid. But, I mean, you got to go. You know, I know they had to wait Dwight Freeney their Super Bowl year, but John Abraham was the last one that was truly just a pain in the ass. you got you you got to have a pass rusher who can just be a that that right there. I mean, just it's like, wow, he is a pain in the ass to deal with. And they haven't had that in a while. So if it can be a free agent, I mean, could they go after – Josh Allen. Well, let's see. Um, that would be interesting, of course. But I don't. I don't know if they're going to go that big in free agency. I don't know if I buy that or not. And I'm talking about the edge rusher for the Jaguars, not the quarterback. The, sure. Let's see what they can do with him. Um, he had 17 and a half sacks last year. So even though Jag, Jacks, the Jaguars had some issues, um, they still had a presence there with Josh Allen, and he was a hard person to cover. And that's why. Josh Allen's the number two player on this list, you know, right behind Chris Jones, who, again, the Falcons need Grady Jarrett over the course of his career, don't get me wrong, has been a a force, right? I mean, he he has. You can't say he hasn't. He has been a force. He has been someone that has been that stopper, has been that guy that teams don't want to face. You know, he's smaller. You know, he's still a presence where it's like, man, Grady Jarrett can give people problems. I think we saw that from David Onyemata earlier last year. He had some some injuries that kind of messed the season up a little bit. But they just need someone that can be a presence. 
And, you know, we talked about that last year when they could have drafted Jalen Carter, obviously, and didn't. And even the year before when they could have had Jordan Davis and didn't. And I don't think anybody's going to expect them to draft a Georgia player. But, man, who is that guy that just, just can be a thorn in the side of the, of the opposing team's offense? That's what you want to, to have. That's what you want to have. And, uh, you know, I, I just – I think that's going to be another thing. We, we harp on the quarterback, rightfully so. But, but what about – what about the the defense and what kind of force they can get from that outside to put pressure on that quarterback? Because they still are not doing that enough on that defense. And you would think that Raheem Morris, being a defensive guy mainly, is going to want to do that moving forward. So that's going to be something to watch. It's interesting that they have Devin White and the kid from New England as a possible candidate because the Falcons do have some cap room. They should be able to add some players. Of course, if they're going to add $40 million under Kirk Cousins, that's another story, but still – Interesting to see a couple of defensive players also linked to Atlanta as uh, they've got to approve that side of the ball as well. No question about that. We'll take a break. Come back. More sports talk on this Wednesday right after this. There it is, another great Billy Joel song from 1983. God, we're getting old. 41 years? Wow. That's crazy. And, and seriously, all right. I'm 54. It's all. I mean, it's better than being dead, I guess. But my God, this is like I'm 54 on March 13th. What is that? Let's see, eight plus 13, three weeks. Three weeks from today, I'll be 54 years old, halfway to 108. But sometimes when you see these songs, or hear these songs, you can't see them, you can hear them, and you realize how long ago they were, you're like, what the heck? Here's the worst thing. Somebody sent me a thing the other day. This was awful. Because, you know, my friends, they, they push back on me saying that they're all old, because they are, number one. And um, someone sent me a thing the other day where where they said that Carol O'Connor, when he was Archie Bunker, how old was Carol O'Connor when he played Archie Bunker on television? How about 48? And then how old was Red Fox? I got to look this up because I got to be clear about this. How old was Red Fox? When he was Fred G. Sanford, which was one of the best shows in the history of television. I mean, come on. If you if you don't like Sanford and Son, I actually was talking about this with someone earlier today. If you don't like Sanford and Son, you got a problem. 
I mean, just damn funny. All right, Red Fox was 50. 50, really 49. When, 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 when Sanford's son premiered, he was still, he had not turned 50 yet. He was playing a 65-year-old man, but he was actually 49 and then turned 50 in the first year of Sanford's son. So they sent me this thing to tell me that I'm old. Which, of course, I shot back by giving them the middle finger in a text. But anyway, kidding. No, I really did that. Um, <clears throat> oh, I was talking about that. Oh, uh, i got to say this. This is shocking. Listen to this. So I, I mentioned earlier in the show, last segment, about Eli Gold. Eli Gold says he is not returning as the voice of the Crimson Tide. And it was not his choice. Listen to this. I will not be returning. The university chose to not bring me back. I have not retired. Wow. Now that that's awful. I, I, I have to say that, that that's truly awful. And I'm not an Alabama guy, of course. Never will be. But why would you not bring Eli Gold back? See, I don't like that. As a, as a, as a broadcaster, as a... No, 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 don't do that. That's just not good. And, you know, look, and Jim from Kathleen or any other Alabama fan could call me up and say, hey, Bill, look, I hate to tell you, but when Eli came back, he was awful. Okay, if that's the case, but he's Eli Gold. He's been there for 35 years. Don't you give him the option of retiring when he wants to go? I mean, can you imagine the uproar? If the University of Georgia had said, as Larry Munson got into his 80s, hey, Larry, you can't do it no more. I mean, there would have been a riot in Athens. Larry Munson uh, was, you know, 85, and, and then it's towards, his, let's see, when did he retire? 2009? Was it 2009? He was the University of Play by, no, 2008. So Larry was 86 when he retired. 86. I mean, and that's old, folks. I'm sorry. You think I'm old at 54, or that Ken from Cumming or Eddie from Mackworth are old? They're not. We're not 86 yet, right? And for those of you who may be 86 out there, God bless you. But that's old. I can try to sit here and tell you that 54 is not old, and compared to someone who's 86, that's true. But 86 is old. And Larry Munson, if if Vince Dooley or Michael Adams or anybody at UGA had said, Larry, you're 86 and ain't gonna happen. There, there would have been riots. You thought what happened on January 6th would have been bad in Washington. Fire Larry Munson's old ass and see what happens. That would not have been good. So, well, for Eli Gold, I don't know about that, Alabama. Alabama's not having a very good offseason, are they? And I, I was going to look up to see how old Eli Gold was or is. Was means past tense. He ain't there no more. Eli Gold is 70. Oh, my God. He's only 70 and you're running him off? That's not good, Alabama. Now, again, Alabama people call me up later and tell me, nope, he's not the way it was. Of course he's not what he used to be. He's 70, but he's still Eli Gold. He's done it half his life, for crying out loud. That's um, that's not good. Anyway, uh, wanted to let you know about some things with the baseball programs. Georgia, of course, if you did not heard, they beat Georgia State 15 to nothing. Yesterday, 
Charlie Condon hit two home runs. Six UGA pitchers combined for a three-hitter. Now, I know um, that, number one, Jeffrey is going to be back on his show tomorrow, Jeff Dancer, and Jeff will uh, talk about the baseball team. I know it's early. I know it's, you know, UNC Asheville and then the game against Georgia State last night. But it certainly certainly is fun to see Georgia off to a 4-0 start. And not that they couldn't have done it without Scott Strickland, but to have a new coach like Wes Johnson and to have this kind of start, is it's just really a, a, a positive sign. Now you could say, well, Bill, you know, Georgia basketball is 14-5, and five, and now they suck. Or they don't suck, but you know what I mean. They've lost six in a row. Uh, we'll get to them in a moment. But still, new coach, trying to get on track, and to have this kind of start is really good. And there are scoring runs aplenty, and When's the last time Georgia had a shutout? Oh, my Lord, that's pretty good. Georgia Tech beat Georgia Southern last night in Statesboro. 7-4 was the final score of that game. Georgia Tech also 4-0 on the year. They'll host Cornell this weekend at Rush Chandler Stadium in Atlanta. Georgia Southern will try to rebound. they got a rough road trip coming up now. They go to Mississippi State. They go to Starkville to play the other Bulldogs. Georgia Southern 1-3 to start the year. Mercer with a win over Kennesaw State yesterday by the score of 9-3. The Bears are now 3-1 on the year. They'll be back at Ortho Georgia Park this weekend to host Monmouth, Malmouth, Monmouth over the weekend. Basketball. we got a Georgia basketball game on the air for you tonight on the Superstations. Not in Brunswick, but on every other frequency. We've got the Dogs taking on Vanderbilt in Nashville. Now, Georgia has lost six straight games after their loss to Florida by six on Saturday. They are now 14-11 and 4-8 and in the conference. Their chance of going to the NCAA tournament is gone. But their chance to still have a winning season and a very positive step in year two of Mike White is still there, but they cannot lose to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is really bad. Seven and eighteen is the, is the record for the Vanderbilt Commodores. I, I guess Jerry Stackhouse is still the head coach. I think he is. They are two and ten in the conference, so they have been really, really bad all year long. And again, the game will tip off tonight at eight thirty from Nashville, and you can hear that the Superstations.com, and you can hear it on in Macon, Warner Robins, Pinehurst, Rochelle, and in Savannah as well. Pre-game at eight oh five with Scott Howard and Lurch. Uh, Georgia Tech will host Clemson tonight in Atlanta at 7 o'clock. The Yellow Jackets are 11-15, and 4-11 in the ACC after their win over Syracuse on Saturday at home by five points. That snapped a four-game losing streak. Tonight they will host Clemson. The Tigers are 17-8 and eight on the season, 7-7. Seven and seven in the ACC, and again, that game will be coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. So there you go. So um, basketball season, college basketball, and college baseball going full strength, no question about that, and uh, look forward to the baseball. Don't forget, by the way, we got kind of a big thing coming up on Saturday. It's Braves baseball. And I don't think Snicker has told anybody who's going to pitch for the Braves on the first game of spring training. And, um, you know, look, uh, 
we'll have all the weekend spring training games on for you here on the super stations on all the frequencies. We can't wait for that. We 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 look forward to that. It gets us ready for the upcoming season, which is great, and and I think we're all excited about the upcoming season. But there's going to be a lot of things to watch. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to want to watch Chris Sale and to see how he does as he pitches for the Braves for the first time. Everybody's going to want to see Max Fried back and to, to keep him healthy. And I think the other thing is the fifth starter's job. Uh, we're all going to want to see the fifth starter's job and, and what they um, are going to do, you know, what what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think that's the – that's the deal that is going to be very crucial uh, for this team is, you know, how, how's the fifth star's job going to come together? How is the competition with Bryce Elder and Reynaldo Lopez and A.J. smith Shaver, Hurston Waldrop, what's going to happen with that game and how are they going to, uh, to play it out? And we're going to be able to hear that. I mean, I think that's going to be fun to, to kind of uh, follow and we will hear all the games on the Superstations, all the weekend games. So we can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of fun to hear the games. And, of course, Ben Ingram, Joe Simpson, I'm sure some of the other folks like Nick Green will be down there uh, giving us some play-by-play and some color. But no Jim Powell. He's gone. A lot of people ask me, what happened to Jim Powell? Well, look, I don't know for sure. You know, I, I, I don't. I think in a way... He was simply replaced by a younger Ben Ingram. And a lot of people like Ben, a lot of people like Jim. I don't know why they couldn't have had room for both of them, but obviously they didn't or they didn't want to, and they, well, was it a money thing? I have no idea. But I think it's unfortunate that Jim's not part of the broadcast team anymore. I really do. But Ben is a great announcer. We've had Ben on for a long time. We had been on when he was a double-A announcer for the Mississippi Braves, and he was a very talented kid at that point, and I, I think there's no question that uh, uh, he does a good job. He does a really good job, but I hate it for Jim because he's a good guy, and uh, hopefully he'll find work somewhere else in Major League Baseball as a announcer. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Milwaukee when Bob Uecker retires because Bob Uecker is really old. He's like 90 and Jim Powell was there before he came to Atlanta. He was the Milwaukee Brewers' main announcer. I would not be surprised if Jim went back to Milwaukee to replace Bob Uecker, but we'll have to see. But I wish Jim all the best and wish him well and uh, just look forward to the first broadcast coming up on Saturday with Ben Ingram. Can't wait. There's some music to let you know it's coming. Tomahawk's coming. It's getting louder. It's getting closer. Raise baseball Saturday right here on the Superstations. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.